Good morning and afternoon. Welcome to the Calories and Rice podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, and we are joined by the observant Dr. Nkamjika Kalu. Dr. Kalu, how are you doing? Doing good, Winslow. How are you? I'm doing quite well. What's the weather like in D.C.? Oh, man, the weather is beautiful. Look, last week it was beautiful or freezing cold and raining. And so right now it's beautiful. I'm going to go out for a run later today, and I'm really happy. I got I got cut out. I got caught one day with with no jacket, and it was raining cats and dogs, and I was I it was miserable. So, thank you Washington for not failing me, um, at least for today. And uh, we are doing part two of our discussion with the good people over at China Africa blog. You can find part one on this webpage. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duro, seeks to connect development workers to professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. So, because this is part two of this discussion where I, I asked Alex Demasi and Moritz Weigel, about their work at the China Africa blog, and 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 their focus on Chinese uh, on the on the China's promotion of green energy and technology, and they gave a really, really fascinating look on what China is doing in China itself and how that applies to Africa and and its its solar power, its its wind turbines, its its subsidies to to companies, and and some of the different contexts in the African continent. Um, and, and they gave uh, a successful project example in Tanzania, a project that wasn't quite as successful in Kenya, but that, that is still there and, and, and hopefully will be turned around. Uh, could, could you also talk about maybe some of your, your other projects or, or any of your um, publications? Are you, are you in the middle of writing anything? Yes, um, in fact, we are currently working on a paper on that uh, topic that we've been discussing in the first episode. Um, so looking at how um, China-Africa relations can um, contribute to sustainable development in Africa and perhaps how China can actually be a key partner in that. Fantastic. Any timeline and when do you expect the paper to come out? Um, we're ho we're hoping to. I mean, we want to get this paper um, published in a peer-reviewed journal. So that means that the timeline is uh, rather long. <laughs> we're we're aiming at um, submitting it in within the next uh, two months, and then depending on how the review process goes, and if anybody wants to publish it, um, it will come out probably rather at the end of the year. But um, if nobody wants to have it, then of course it's going to be found on the ChinaAfricaBlog.com. Yeah, but you see, for, for us, um, it is also important, as I mentioned in, in part one of this interview, um, to highlight the connection between you know, African development, which we are seeing right now. African countries are really urbanizing, they are growing, and the role China can play in this new sort of development of Africa. And, and this is not just, you know, bringing in those supposed to be cheap products um, to Africa, but it's more, it's more a fundamental change. If you think about how, let's say, how our cities or our African cities are growing right now, 
And if this development can be more sustainable, more clean, then we see that China is playing here a decisive role, not only by bringing in you know, affordable products, uh, materials to build those cities, but also how this will have influence how even African decision makers will think about urbanization in general. And, and that's what we would like to, to bring into this paper. And we, we, we are putting quite a lot of effort into it. And um, we are coming up with the latest research in this area. And uh, we are also using uh, primary uh, resources, meaning Chinese materials. As uh, you know, we told you that we both studied Chinese at the university. And um, also in my case, I will bring in some uh, in information out of Ethiopia. You know, Ethiopian uh, decision-making there will play a role. Um, yeah, that, that's it. No? Yeah, maybe to, to add on that. Um, so Ethiopia is going to be our case study for looking at that. Um, because Ethiopia is um, very advanced and a very interesting case uh, when it comes to uh, green economy because um, they have, uh, their government has endorsed the climate resilient green economy development strategy um, back in 2011 and Ethiopia is now looking at um, implementing the strategy which touches upon different sectors so it's not only energy but also um, agriculture uh, and uh, what we've been doing in summer is that we went, um, we had a field trip um, to Addis Abeba and were able to meet there uh, with a number of government officials and also um, contractors uh, to government um, organizations uh, in terms of how this uh, climate resilient green economy strategy is being uh, rolled out and implemented. And um, then also mentioning uh, or looking at China in this context and what kind of role China and the partnership um, with China could play. So we, we did some in-depth interviews there and also conducted some surveys. And there are quite some interesting findings that we, we got from that. Um, and we'll also build on that above uh, and beyond of what Alex just mentioned. Very good. Wow, that's, that's tremendous. It's really cool. Yeah, so, we, we hope it works out know, well. Yeah, it's just easy. What we try is, um, you know, not you know, through our Twitter activity as well. So we, we try to bring in, you know, new thoughts or, or thoughts which are there, but they are not yet connected. Uh, so we try to bring that up. And we think that this paper will, should be also one contribution to that direction. So. So um, what has been the most surprising aspect of your research into um, green energy and technology as it pertains to China and Africa, at least that you can share, because um, you don't want to give away your secrets until you publish your, your research. But could you talk a little bit about what's been most surprising and then also what you hope that um, our listeners will really hear and take from this discussion? Sure. Uh, I'll start off on the surprise part. So uh, for us, the most surprising when looking into this topic was to actually find out that from both sides, so from China side and also from African government side, there is um, the will and the identified need and also even specific strategic guidance or policy documents in place for doing that. 
So for working um, together, so from Chinese perspective, to work with um, African countries to not only export, um, staying with the example of renewable energies, um, not only export those technologies, but also to invest um, into producing and building those technologies in African countries. Uh, and from from African government's perspective, so I just mentioned Ethiopia, but similar uh, strategies are in place in Sierra Leone and also in Zambia. Um, and I believe Ghana also has a, a similar document, which is guiding their um, development into this uh, green economy direction. Um, so there are these 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 uh, demands or expectations from both sides, but there is still this gap in um, bringing the parties together and um, actually making it happen. And those gaps, um, well, there are there are different reasons for that, and we'll we'll touch upon that in in that paper. Um, maybe just to mention one um, is simply uh, it's it's a bit of a coordination and also lack of awareness um, gap that, that we found at least in the in the Ethiopian case um, specifically because uh, the implementation for in those areas requires uh, different contacts that may not necessarily be available through the regular FOCAC Forum on China Africa cooperation mechanisms. So there may have to be like an additional step taken um, to uh, clearly express this demand from African government's perspective, and then maybe also um, go beyond um, the regular matchmaking, if you will, um, to make this happen. And that's just just one preview on that. Yeah, it is exactly how Morris just described it, and and there is also knowledge. A knowledge needs. You see, the the in, in order to bring your your ideas forward, you need to have also a a a you know deep understanding what the other side can give give to you. Actually, in this case, the African countries might know what they want, but they need also to know how they can find the Chinese counterparts. Um, and that 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 seems to be actually a point where where we see a lot of um, yeah a lot of gap which needs to be closed. Um, do, you, do you want to start off on the um, what we want our listeners to take from this fantastic podcast with <laughs> Dr. Kalu and Vinslow? Yes, uh, it is. <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 it's a great podcast, as I said before. But um, you see, I, I, I wish or I hope that um, a lot of people, especially in African countries, are listening right now or will listen to this podcast. Um, uh, and as I also mentioned earlier, we need to understand the the connections between between the different actors here. No, you know, Chinese companies have, of course, uh, uh, you know, economic motives when they come to to Africa as well. They want to make money, and, and which is okay. Um, and African countries do have the need to advance their development, but this can be. And I believe truly in this. This can be done in, in in a more sustainable way. You see, African countries as they develop, African cities as they develop, they can be truly sustainable. They can have, you can have everywhere, if possible, you can have uh, solar panels to get your energy. This is this is doable now. It's not just a thinking; it's a philosophical thinking, but it's 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 doable. It's 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 feasible. You can do it, and and, but. You need also to understand the underlying currents when you deal with with different actors like you know China with different African countries and um, 
So we should go beyond this, this, this discussion that Africa is actually exploited by China or the more negative aspect of this debate and start really thinking about how a cooperation, a true cooperation can be initiated um, and, and also to the benefit of the, of the whole population, not only the token few. Um, and this seems more and more possible. And, and China seems to have understood that potential, especially in Africa, and they are putting forward policy frameworks and, 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 and ideas. And that needs to be taken up by African decision makers. And that, that's really, truly important and, and also needs to be inputted into the education system so that we have, you know, from 10 years from now or 20 years from now, we really understand how we can use this for African development. That's my point, Moritz. Uh, yeah, if I may, may add on that, um, I think what, what I would like listeners to take away from is that there's a huge potential in China-Africa relations for sustainable development in Africa, so for a new development model. Uh, we're now living in, in times where climate change becomes much more relevant to many countries in the world. Um, and thinking of how to shift our economies towards low carbon ones um, or also climate resilient ones is a topic that, that is uh, more and more relevant um, not only in developing countries but also in developed countries. And as we now see industrialization processes taking off at a high speed on the African continent, um, we see that there is this potential of doing it from the start, in a sense, in a different way. Because there is now, with China being a technology leader um, and a very uh, strong partner of many African countries, there is the technology, there is the finance, and there is also the know-how for doing that. And on the, from the African side, there's also increasingly the understanding that it's important to um, look at development in this context, to look at it in a climate resilient and low carbon context and into an energy secure and independent context. And, um, and that, is, that is basically what, what we would like to add to this discussion, that this can really um, be like a new development model that can come out of this um, China-Africa cooperation. Winslow, are you still there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I want Dr. Kalu <laughs> to, to ask. Did, did we just uh, talk you to sleep oh. or are you still with us? <laughs> no, we're both here. I think, you know, when you, when you talk about a new development model, it's, it, it's a very, very valid and relevant conversation right now, um, you know, with, with the, the failure of, well, I'm not sure if failure is the right term, but the inability to meet the Millennium Development Goals um, internationally, the inability um, of previous policy interventions to bring about um, desired um, development outcomes. It's important that we start to change the framework by which we address development. And I think that you raise a valid point in the importance of taking into consideration climate and the environment um, and impacts therein of our, of our policies and, um, and our development objectives. Um, moving on to, I guess, our last two questions. Um, I think if we, if we, if I throw them both out at the same time, then we can get them done and we can um, not use up too much of your time. Um, but just in your estimation, by 2020, that's what six years from now, um, China's energy and investment, uh, China's energy investments in African green energy will 
what, what um, I guess, fill in the blank. Well, what, what do you see six years from now um, happening in Africa as a result of China's energy investments? And then if there's anything else that you'd like to add um, to the conversation, go ahead and toss that in there. Thank you. Yeah, so to fill in the blank, um, by 2020, China's energy investments in African green energy will be very significant. Um, so that's that we're certainly sure about. Uh, it, the most interesting aspect to watch out for will probably be um, the uh, creation of um, manufacturing or industries in that area, which will also lead to um, skills and knowledge and, and job creation. And so this I'm not 100% sure how much there will be seen on that in 2020 already, hopefully a lot, uh, but um, definitely, uh, definitely beyond that date. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I would like to add here is, um, you know, by 2020, it's just like six years. You know, Morris just mentioned maybe uh, we will see some 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 things happening, but we 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 should look even beyond 2020. You know, the the longer view is here important, um, especially that the 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 energy or the, the instrument China is bringing to Africa might might really help Africa reaching another level of development. Um, this might help the urbanization process in a completely different way. I was just mentioning that before as well. Um, and, and it's a whole game changer. I, I guess the, you see the, the initiative started by President Obama on, on powering Africa is also kind of going into that direction. Energy is important. Um, but Africa has also a, a tremendous possibility right now to make that energy as green as possible or as clean as possible and so that the whole development of Africa can become a clean development. Um, and um, in this context as well, we need also to understand as China puts in more and more energy or more and more technology into Africa, that China is also getting a lot of infrastructural power in Africa. You see, you are introducing a new type of standards into the continent. Uh, if you if you recall, maybe a lot of African countries might have still their standards taken over from from the colonial past, uh, and still riding on that level. But now, if you have a new player coming in like China and introducing new type of standards, then this might be also a game changer. So we we can we we, can, we might see in the in the, in the couple in the next years we might see different standard. Uh, in in, a, in critical infrastructures um, uh, like power grid or 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 internet or uh, ICT in general, we might see a new type of standards uh, arising through the introduction of of Chinese companies and Chinese products, and that needs to be understood also within the African decision maker circles. I yeah I I, I think that that's fascinating. I, I want to kind of um, focus a little bit on on power generation because for a lot of people the the inability to get reliable power in urban centers in rural areas is a major impediment to to citizens of african countries enjoying the fruits of development of access to 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 networks of of um of access to 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 finance of 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 the things that that make the development possible and what in terms of these these sort of green energy initiatives do you have any sense of how much 
power is going to be generated that by 2020, and the reason 2020 was chosen because uh, China said by 2020 we want 20% of our power to be generated by clean energy or something along those lines. So that's it's not an entirely arbitrary date. But yeah, I, I want to ask you, you know, based on, on your research and, and the trajectories you're seeing, somebody in, in rural Ethiopia, because of current Chinese green energy in investment, will they, will they get um, off-grid power generation by a solar generator, perhaps? Or in, in Addis, will, will, well, not in Addis, in Abuja, in Abuja, will people be able to get electricity 24 hours a day? Or, and and if you can't answer that, that's that's fine. That's something I I'm I'm focusing on because of um, my my own research in terms of the importance of, of power. Mm. Yeah, Vincent, that's a great question. Um, I wish I could answer it. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Alex can, but I mean, my my response to that would be that um, it's it's very hard to predict in in general terms. I mean, it's it's complicated, and I mean, the rural areas in Ethiopia are vast, and the city of Abuja is large, and if everybody will or will not, it's, it's very hard to say. Um, I think, I mean, in terms of rural electrification, uh, renewable energies clearly have a very um, obvious advantage of being off the grid um, and, and available in that can, sense. Can you explain to our, our listeners why being off the grid is an advantage? Well, I mean, if, if you imagine living somewhere in the, in the rural areas in the countryside and you suddenly you put a solar panel on your roof and you have your own um, power generator right there and you have a couple of wires going down and the energy electricity is directly in your living room. Um, well, and how, how does that compare with living with um, a, a power grid? Well, you don't have um, any access to any transmission lines. So um, power grid in that sense that um, transmission lines have to be built. They consume quite a bit of energy themselves, uh, a lot of costs. Um, it's in many areas, it's simply not um, feasible or let's say well, it's different, difficult for governments to 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 realize, uh, especially if there's not um, much in terms of uh, uh, industry or so that that would maybe generate uh, revenues in that sense. So, I mean, rural electrification is is difficult for topographic um, investment and uh, various reasons, and then that's why why it's still the way it is in. In, in many countries, in, in Africa and in other developing countries as well. With the shortages, um, well, that is something where then it rather comes to the grid. So in the cities where you have a grid, uh, where it's important to do uh, planning, realistic planning of what energy is available when and needed when and where. And that has to do something with so-called smart grids. So um, grids that know the demand and the supply and can predict that quite accurately. And also make sure that um, that those uh, transitions of electricity uh, happen in in the in the best possible way, and also have the best possible predictions on the on the needs, and then infrastructure in general. So the the cables, basically the lines. I mean, if if there are not um, many power shortages, um, at least in Addis Ababa, uh, cost to that. They're simply old, breaking apart, falling apart at some place, and then it takes quite some time to find out where 
where the problem in the system lies before it can can be fixed. <clears throat> yeah, correct. Uh, I, I, I agree with what Morris just said. Um, the the uh, what I mentioned with the standards um, is that you see if you if you have now a, a new player like China coming in and and uh, let's say creating a smart grid line in Abuja, then uh, definitely those people in Abuja who will manage that 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 system they would need to be trained in that standard as well. So again, that, that's where you would see um, more of. China's influence in the future as well in, in creating those kind of systems which are kind of different than the West, for example, or other actors. Um, they, 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 you will have a knowledge transfer also here that particularly will come from 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 the Chinese side. Um, the, the the other some you know when as Africa develops now maybe you don't need to develop some remote areas anymore because people are clearly moving to the cities. The urbanization rate is going going up, um, so some remote areas might not be feasible at all, as just Morris also mentioned. So it might be more interesting to think about how you, uh, literally, how you make your buildings or roads um, or infrastructure in general more more sustainable within the city. You see, I mentioned here, for example, the the light rail project in Addis. Where you you will see more and more these kind of projects coming up that that a Chinese company is creating a, a light rail project, which is an infrastructure project and high speed trains and then. high speed trains. Yeah, just a recent thing. Correct. The the recent um, announcement by Li Keqiang saying that uh, China is ready to build uh, you know high high speed train lines between between African states. I think these are not just wordings that were mentioned here. There are really clear plans and ideas, in, in, at least in China, what they want to do with Africa. And uh, I, I also, or we also believe that uh, this is creating a whole new type of market for a lot of products, which we still don't see yet, but we will see it soon. Wow, that's that's fantastic. Well, on, on that note. Could you give some recommendations to our listeners? Winslow, if you wouldn't mind, I'd have another point. Um, oh, oh yeah, throw that point in there. Yeah, no, it's just, um, just in response to what Dr. Kalu said before in terms of this uh, new development model, which I found very, very interesting. And what I wanted to add on that is that basically we think that it is possible to um, realize such new development model uh, in Africa now, because um, there is the understanding from many African governments that that's the best way forward, and it's based on or maybe facilitated by the fact that China was just a few decades ago in the same position as many African countries are now in terms of um, in terms of poverty and development challenges. And so having this partner, uh, who went through exactly the same process and who also got lessons learned out of that process and now knows how it would be better. It's not um, only from an environmental perspective, but it's more also from an economic perspective. China changed its course mainly because of um, economic losses that were caused by pollution, that were caused by a, a dirty development pathway. And so these lessons learned, if they're now not only um, passed on or uh, discussed with African governments who already have this on their agenda, but it's also supplemented with um, a Chinese partner who is 
world leader in environmental technologies and has the, the finance and the knowledge and, and the political will um, to work together on that. And if that is now from both sides, so it's, it's really possible to have um, this as embarking like on, on this new development pathway um, as there are industrialization processes happening on the African continent. Perfect, perfect. Well, with, with that, I, now you can give some recommendations to our listeners. What Alex. kind of? What kind of? Recommendations. For? No, the books. Readings. Books, readings, yeah. Screenings. <laughs> Movies, Movies, restaurants. Restaurants. Oh, um, restaurants. Yeah, There's a fantastic hot pot restaurant here in Cologne, Germany. <laughs> yes, yes. Actually, yeah. that's all right. Is it Sichuan hot pot? Yes. Yes. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah we are. We are. We are. <laughs> so if you love if you love injera or you know Ethiopian food, favorite of all our Chinese friends here. Yeah. Okay. What? What? All right. That is your recommendation. What is the name of this restaurant? Where in Cologne? Now. Yeah, in Cologne. It's Where? called it's called Hot Pot. Can you imagine? And it's <laughs> it, the, the, the address is Barbarossa Platz. <laughs> Wait, did you guys also come up with the name for it? Like you did the China Africa blog? <laughs> Very <laughs> on the nose, hot pot. Uh, yeah, we have a we have a collaboration with them. Uh, are, are they the official hot pot of the China Africa blog? <laughs> Not yet, but that's something to think about. <laughs> although the although the China Africa blog was first, so I think maybe we managed to inspire them with that naming. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so my recommendation if you happen to be in Addis in Addis Ababa right now, go to Yod Abyssinia, have a nice food there and enjoy the cultural show. Yod Abyssinia Addis Ababa. And after you had your dinner, go to Jasamba. Jasamba is a place where oh, you yeah, listen absolutely. to fantastic jazz music. And enjoying the evening, maybe you might meet some celebrities there. Um, so just say hi, and it's my recommendation for today for you. Perfect, perfect. That, now that those are some solid recommendations. Are <laughs> uh, and um, could could you let our listeners know how they might find you on the interwebs? Sure. So the China Africa blog can be accessed through the World Wide Web at chinaafricablog.com. Uh, on Twitter at at China Africa Block, yeah. and uh, Facebook, you also just type in China Africa Block, and you'll find us. Fantastic, Dr. Kalu. How do people find you? Um, I blog at nchemkalu dot wordpress dot com, and sometimes it carries right um, dot blogspot dot com. Ones will correct that if I'm wrong. And I tweet at NKME Kalu, and those are the places I can be found on the interwebs. <laughs> As for myself, uh, I, I'm at uh, www.cowriesandrice.blogspot.com. My Twitter handle is at Winslow underscore R. And yeah, that's that's about that's about it. Uh, we would like to thank uh, Alex and Moritz for joining us on part two of this fantastic discussion um, we would like to thank African Development Jobs for being our generous sponsor uh, we would like to thank uh, Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for composing the theme song uh, this podcast can be found on 
SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, BlackBerry, haha, <laughs> oh, BlackBerry. Although now that um, Dr. Kalu is in Nigeria, she might be able to hunt down some good um, African uh, podcast things that we should be tapping into. So we'll see. Oh, and we would like to thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care.